Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a state-sponsored programming Christmas special, A Capitalist Christmas Carol, written by our very own William Blyseth. Hello. This story is largely inspired by A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, but trust me when I say, this is going to be a whole new adventure. So roast some chestnuts in an open fire, sip on your hot cocoa, this is the story of A Capitalist Christmas Carol. Stave 1, The Obama Administration's Ghost The Obama Administration was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The Republicans controlled the House and Senate, Donald Trump was the President of the United States, and Bernie, at least for the time being, was a part of the minority party. The Obama Administration was completely, unequivocally dead. Did Bernie know this? Well, that is out of the question. As one of the senators of the United States, he had been promoting for decades the creation of socialist policies. Free healthcare for all, free education, and to stop the top 1% through any means necessary. He thought his friend Obama would covertly assure in an age of socialism. Bernie was, for the time being, wrong. It was Christmas Eve. To Bernie, Christmas was a holiday symbolic of an evil, capitalist system. Bernie sat in his senatorial office. Enraged with the whole idea, an idea that seemed to be filled only with greed, as his colleague Senator Rand Paul strolled in. Merry Christmas, dear friend, exclaimed Rand Paul jovially. Bah humbug! What's the matter, Bernie? It's only the best holiday of the year. I have nothing to be happy about. The middle class is shrinking, all is owned by the top 1%, and there are people dying on the streets while the rich have all the health care they could ever dream of. And I'm supposed to be cheery? During the most oh, capitalist holiday of the year? The whole Christmas isn't just about gifts. It's about Christianity, goodwill towards men, and family. Besides, where free markets are allowed to operate, they dramatically reduce poverty and... No more! I am done with this bourgeoisie propaganda. Leave my office at once! Saddened by his failed attempt to reach across the aisle, Senator Rand Paul exited Bernie's office. Free markets? Bah humbug! Only if the state intervenes will there be no poverty on Christmas Day. Old Bernie left his office and was escorted in a limousine to his house near Capitol Hill. A house with no frills, one bedroom and two baths. He felt confident enough that he was not, at least not really, a part of the dreaded top 1%. After all, he didn't own any extravagant properties like all the senators did. Well, not including his lakefront property in Lake Champlain, but that didn't count. His wife got in Vermont, his house cold and dark, he hobbled up to the bedroom. He opened the door, sat on his bedside, and as he was about to crawl to bed, he saw something. Something that filled him with pure, unadulterated terror. A radiant, damned, ghastly figure stood stoically in his bedroom staring at Bernie uncompromisingly. This terror clarified his vision perfectly. He shrieked, President Obama? But you're still alive! The figure did indeed have an uncanny resemblance. His wide smile was turned to a frown. His charisma was turned to sullenness, and his neatly kept hair devolved into a long, disarrayed mess. But the man he still seemed to be. I am the ghost? of the Obama administration. The man may still be alive, but his administration is dead. But 
But look at you. What has become of your former glory? What is that chain across your neck? A large silver chain, the size of the phantom's body, anchored the phantom into place. Each link looked as if it weighed 50 pounds, and as he counted in his head every link, his heart sank deeper and deeper. He shuddered at the thought of wearing that dreaded thing. A lock, engraved with a number 44, lay at the chain's end. This chain I bear for my failed socialist policies. Some of the chain comes from the price controls of the Affordable Care Act, others from my regulations, and still others from tax increases. With each action I took to grow the state, each link of my chain remains. Come, let me show you where all the socialist phantoms reside. The ghost snatched Bernie's hand, and before he could say a word, Bernie was transported into a cold, icy hell. There he saw the phantoms of former socialist leaders and administrations, some he could immediately name, Karl Marx, Che Guevara, Mao Zedong, others he did not recognize. Each of them, to varying degrees, had monstrous chains with one or more silvery locks. Bernie pitied them. Why, Phantom, are these honorable men being treated this way? Didn't they stop the top 1%? Don't you understand? These men are why millions upon millions have starved and died under tyrannical regimes. But you don't get it. The chain prepared for you pales in comparison to the one on my neck. Before Bernie knew it, they flashed back to his bedroom. You will be visited by three ghosts tonight. The ghost of socialism past, the ghost of socialism present, and the ghost of socialism yet to come. They will reveal to you what you must know. The first will appear at the stroke of one, the second will come at the stroke of two, and the third will appear in his own good time. Ghosts? Only through them may you redeem yourself and change your destiny. As for me, I must wander to and fro the earth, lamenting the policies I have created. Heed the spirit's lessons, and maybe you can escape your chains. The phantom left. Bah, humbug. I've grown advanced in my years. This has to be some kind of hallucination. No matter, as long as I shall live, the rich shall pay their fair share. Stave two, the first of the three spirits. He lay in his bed and waited. No matter how hard he tried, Bernie could not fall asleep. Suddenly, his alarm clock sounded one, and the first of the ghosts materialized. The phantom looked like a young, vibrant Lenin in ghostly form. It wore a worker's cap and poor man's suit and it had a look of foregone passion in its eyes. It seemed to embody the socialist ideal, yet had no socialist fervor. Still in disbelief of his haunting, Bernie grumbled, So I take it you're the ghost of socialism past? Indeed. And what past socialism are you? The socialism of the past that concerns you. And for what purpose? Your welfare. Bernie began to tremble. I, I, I am a man old in my years. How can you ensure my safety through what you show me? Just take my hand, and I will ensure your safety. Apprehensive, Bernie took the ghost's hand and walked through the wall. 
Before Bernie was a crammed, dark study lit by candlelight, he observed the room. Books and papers crammed to mahogany shelves worn from use. Political posters spuriously hung from the walls, and the sound of a fountain pen scribbling permeated the air. Next to the shelves, he saw a bearded man writing furiously at his desk. The man muttered softly, and he wrote, The theory of communists may be summed up in a single sentence. Abolition of private property. Yes, yes, that will do. Pure ecstasy flooded Bernie's soul. Could that be the great Karl Marx? The hero of the proletariat? The father of socialism? Yes, that's him, the ghost uttered, adding as if he was withholding a secret Bernie was too oblivious to realize. Why, I've been fantasizing meeting him ever since I was a teenager. The great working class hero, Karl Marx, Karl Marx, oh, how I dreamed of meeting you. He cannot see or hear you. These are simply events that have already occurred. Come, let us see some of his ideas put into practice. The ghost took Bernie's hand, and all of a sudden, the scene around them changed. The study faded away, and in its place was a small Ukrainian village. There lay at the edge of the town a pile of scattered rubble, with blank-faced soldiers assessing the damaged heap. Bernie could make out some broken windows and walls, but he was puzzled as to what the rubble used to be. To the right, a vast field was filled with half-starved workers cultivating wheat. Bernie assessed the heap of rubble in front of him. What's this? Where are we? You're in Ukraine, Bernie. The day is December 25th, 1932. Bernie stared at the ghost blankly. You're in the Soviet Union. The rubble that you see before you used to be a church. Because religion is the opiate of the people, there is no Christmas anymore, let alone a church for these people to worship in. Bernie stood still. No Christmas, sure. It's a bogus holiday, but this can't be. Religion is banned here. No Christianity or Judaism or Islam permitted. After all, isn't it better that these ideas be done away with for the sake of the greater good? Bernie looked at the ghost, his mind bewildered. And what about the workers? Surely the state will come to their aid. No, Bernie. It's because of the state that they're starving. Look at them. During this year, millions of Ukrainians have and will die. These people aren't allowed to feed themselves. Their welfare is up to the state, and the state demands they work. But this can't be real socialism. Of course this is real socialism. Farming is collectivized. Because these workers did not want to hold everything in common, they were forced to by the state. The state needs resources. And so it will run these poor workers into the ground. But, but, but can't the state just leave them be? Can't they just farm for themselves? Only if the state intervenes will there be no poverty on Christmas Day. Bernie looked at the ghost, then turned his gaze to the scene around him. 
His eyes looked with horror. The sort of horror that comes from unveiling an unpleasant truth. He knew that there was something wrong with what he believed. Something wasn't quite right. Perhaps socialism didn't work well, sure. But what was the alternative? The ghost gripped onto Bernie's hand, and they were transported back into the bedroom. Puzzled, Bernie looked around and realized the ghost of socialism past was gone. An exhausted daze came over him. After climbing back into bed, Bernie instantaneously fell asleep. Bernie awoke. He glanced at the alarm clock on his bedside. It read, 2 a.m. Could it be? Could he have slept through the entire day again into the night? He looked around. His entire room had changed. A grand table filled with food, breads, pies, meats, cheeses, and a whole assortment of other delicacies stood, beckoning Bernie's presence. Holly and mistletoe hung on the walls, and two fireplaces illuminated the entirety of the room. It was certainly his bedroom. He was still sitting on his bed. What was going on? At the table stood a large man, seven feet tall, with a decorated green robe and a fiery red beard. His belly was rotund, and his cheeks were flushed. He looked like Santa, aged 40 years younger. I am the ghost of socialism present. Come and eat. The ghost guzzled wine from a golden chalice. Confused, a little hungry, Bernie approached the table and tried to grab a turkey leg. To his dismay, however, something strange occurred. When Bernie came close to actually touching it, the turkey leg faded away and disappeared. When he receded, it came back into being. He went for the mashed potatoes and the same thing happened. A piece of ham, the same. Apple pie, the same. Roasted sausage, the same. A piece of bread, the same. Filled with rage, Bernie howled. Is this some kind of sick joke? No joke. Bernie paused and thought. Oh, I get it. The top 1% get all of this food, while the bottom 99% get nothing. Since I obviously embody the cause of the working man, I don't get to touch it. No, that's not it. The senator stood there awkwardly, not comprehending the lesson the ghost was trying to teach him. Surely the ghost had some capitalist propaganda to bestow on him. Or truth. He couldn't tell which was which at the moment. He glared deeply at the ghost, analyzing him attempting to solve the puzzle laid before him. Bernie focused on the ghost's eyes, and the longer he stared, the ghost's outer shell became translucent. Under the shell, he saw the ghost of socialism present for what it really was, a starved, desperate, hopeless, degraded man, trapped in an illusion of hope and prosperity. He then looked at the table. There was no food. As it was with the ghost of socialism past, Bernie saw a glimpse of reality. All the food, all the prosperity, all the utopia-like wonder was an illusion, but in its place, a sad, starved man. The shriveled-up man was all that was left. The jovial, fire-bearded ghost that Bernie saw was gone. He wore the same green robe, yet given his thin stature, it seemed rather oversized on him. Now you fully see the ghost of socialism present. Come. There are things that I must show you. The ghost, now the shriveled up man, took Bernie's hand and went through the wall. They stood on a sidewalk, 
with antique Chevrolets dashing on their right. Bernie looked to his left, his mouth agape. He saw once beautiful buildings deteriorated. The vibrant blues and pinks and yellows fade away. He saw buildings like this in pictures, but they still had their vibrancy. They must have been in Havana. He could tell the architecture surrounding them was well designed, but now its life had died out. Some of the buildings are well kept, others not so much. The people take care of the apartments given to them, but the building itself, no one has any incentive to take care of. But each building is held in common, everyone not just the top 1%, quits Bernie, his doubt augmenting. Bernie, if all is held in common, no one owns a thing. You see these buildings? There are no landlords who have anything on the line to maintain them. No one has anything on the line. Do you see what that man is holding? A tanned man with curly black hair, a white button-up and khaki pants strolled past them. In his right hand, he held a piece of paper filled with charts and check marks. He's holding a ration card. This is how the average person gets their food. It's rationed. They get what the state gives them, and they lived in cramped apartments, which the state gives them. Do you know how much the average Cuban makes? Bernie was silent. He muttered, I must admit I don't, but... It's $30 a month. Bernie took a second to conjure up a response. But, but, but they receive free healthcare and education. Their healthcare model is in fact a model for the modern world. A model for the modern world. For the elites, sure. But for the common people, well, let me show you myself. The ghost took his hand and they were transported to a Cuban hospital. They stood in one of the hallways with a variety of rooms and doctors in sight. Look around, urged the ghost. Bernie did just that. The hospital itself seemed to be in okay condition compared to the deteriorated building that Bernie saw earlier. However, it had stark differences to any other hospital he had ever seen. The equipment seemed to be outdated by decades. The doctors, while seeming to be hardworking looked overworked and scrambled to find the proper medication for their patients. Without even knowing the doctor's language, Bernie could tell that medicine was on short, short supply. He spotted a few broken windows and the faint smell of urine and disinfectant trickle into his nostrils. This isn't even one of the worst ones. I can't even tolerate those. The ghost beckoned Bernie, and they walked to the waiting room. There... They saw dozens of patients waiting, each holding a plastic bag filled with toiletries, shampoos, linens, and a pillow. Some bags had more items in them, some less. Why do they have those bags? Do you think that the hospital is going to provide shampoo for them, with all the resources they have, or lack thereof? If you want to get by in a Cuban hospital, you have to bring all of your own toiletries yourself. Bernie attempted to debunk the ghost's points, but he had a feeling that whatever he said would be instantaneously refuted. Still, he tried nonetheless. But doesn't Cuba have some of the lowest infant mortality rates in the world? Sure, this hospital may not be so great, but it must deliver results. You realize they accomplished this by aborting babies with birth defects. As pro-choice as Bernie was, even he shuddered at this knowledge. This socialist utopia seemed to be no utopia after all. The ghost gave a melancholy sigh. If these doctors weren't as good-willed, hard-working, 
and resourceful as they are, there would be no hope for these poor people. Bernie and the ghost exited the hospital. You never answered my statement about free education, Spirit. They're indoctrination centers. The students have to go on marches for the state and are encouraged to rat out dissenters. Sure, they have access to a free education, but what's the point if the end result is an average salary of $30 a month? Bernie chose not to respond. The ghost took Bernie's hand for one final time. A second went by, and they were back in Bernie's bedroom. Out of the ghost's green robe emerged two dirty children, one boy and one girl. Both looked uncared for. Bernie pitied their desperate plight. There is one more thing I must show you before I leave. My time draws to a close. Bernie stared at these children. Are these children yours? No. They're man's. The ghost paused to explain. The boy is deceit, and the girl is want. Beware of the boy. He has betrayed whole nations of people with false promises which end in tyranny and squalor. You saw his handiwork in Cuba. The freedom they lost and the plight that they have. Bernie looked at both of the children with desperation. Oh, can't Cuba just stop deceit? Can't they take back their freedom? I thought that only if the state intervenes will there be no poverty on Christmas Day. Those words, Bernie's own words, cut into him like a knife. I must go. The final phantom, the ghost of socialism yet to come, will visit you soon. Beware the boy, and beware the boy and girl together. The two children ran back into the ghost's robes. The ghost, hiding the two children, deteriorated into nothing. Bernie sat on his bed. His fear of the ghost of socialism yet to come terrorized his soul. He saw a dark orb beginning to form. He had already arrived. Stay four. The last of the spirits. A ghastly phantom, draped and covered with a black robe, approached him silently. When the ghost was near, he stopped and pointed outward with his hand. You are the ghost of socialism yet to come? And you will show me what has not happened yet, but what is to happen as socialism comes? The ghost gave a solemn nod. Oh, out of all three ghosts, I fear you most. For I know that you were sent for my good. Onward, ghost, show me what you must. Bernie followed the phantom. They were outside his house, his own house. And shockingly, nothing changed. It seemed well kept like before. In fact, most of the buildings around the Capitol building were the same way. He saw those walking by. They all seemed well-fed, affluent, well-dressed. After 20 minutes of walking, however, this began to change. The buildings were less maintained. Graffiti was spotted from building to building. Ten more minutes of walking, and each building he saw looked completely and utterly run down. The people walking by were not affluent-looking anymore. Their clothing cheap. Their demeanor paranoid. Their walk brisk and deliberate. Suddenly, the scene around him changed. He was now in a courtroom, but not just any courtroom, but the Supreme Courtroom. Instead of nine judges, there were twelve, and one judge stood tall above the rest. His placard read, Minister of Justice. Armed guards stood in each corner of the room. Men and women, 
each wearing an American flag patch with a hammer and sickle, watched the event taking place. Standing alone in front of the judges was Rand Paul. The minister spoke for all twelve judges. Rand Paul, why should the state spare you? You have disavowed the state. You have disavowed the president. You have called for the renewal of the oppression of the masses. You have repeatedly committed acts of treason against the state, and you expect us to let you live? I have called for freedom, minister. I have called for freedom over this institution of slavery. He stopped for a second, gaining his composure. Are you blind? It is the state that has oppressed its people, not me. It is the state that has robbed every man, woman, and child of their property in exchange for a utopia that will never come. Liberate the markets, yes, but more so, liberate the people that you so desperately attempt to control. I will have no more of this, the minister interjected. Guards, seize him! The guards that came from the corner of the room bolted and pounced on Rand Paul, seizing and arresting him. As Rand Paul was smothered by the guards, he managed to utter one last phrase. I am finished with this yoke of tyranny. Give me liberty or give me death. Then death you shall receive, announced the minister. The guards carried Rand Paul away, out of sight of the courtroom. No! Bernie cried. Not my friend! Not my poor, poor friend! Bernie turned his glance at the ghost. Oh, spirit, is this what is yet to come? Are we bound to this form of tyranny? Or is there any glimmer of hope? I, I must believe you were sent for me for a reason. I renounce my old ways. I will try to honor freedom in my heart and practice it every day in and outside of Congress. I will heed the lessons of socialism past, present, and yet to come. All three spirits shall live within me. Oh, please tell me this can be reversed. As Bernie desperately prayed that he could undo the uncertain future, the ghost disintegrated into nothing. Instantaneously, he found himself back in his room. Exhausted, he fell into his bed and was asleep. He looked at his alarm clock. It was 9 a.m. 9 a.m.? What day is it? Could it be? Opening the window, he hollered at a young man strolling past. Sir, what day is it? Sup, bruh? It's Christmas Day. He had done it. The socialist curse was able to be reversed. He hopped across the room in childlike glee. Long live freedom. Long live free markets. Oh, the spirits have done it. The spirits have done it. Merry Christmas, announced the senator with glee. Bernie Sanders got his pocketbook and ran down the stairs to greet the young man. What is your name, sir? It's William Blyser. William. Bernie wrote the name in his checkbook. In the spirit of Christian charity and free markets, I want you to take this $1,000 check, cash in the bank, and use that capital to invest in your own business. Hurry up now! The market demands new goods and services! The young man bolted to the nearest bank, thinking of how he could invest his newfound capital into his podcast. Bernie did the same thing for every young man and woman he saw for the rest of the day. His thirst for economic opportunity and innovation could not be satiated. With each check he wrote, he shined a smile he'd never smiled before. A smile of hope for individuals, not government, to do something great. For the next one and a half weeks, Bernie upheld the principles of freedom in his heart. 
He gave extensively to private charity, knowing its vast superiority to the welfare state. When one of his supporters approached him on the street, he announced the failure of socialist policies. He became a true, freedom-loving, free marketeer. When Congress reconvened after this one-and-a-half-week period, he immediately approached Senator Rand Paul. A little taken aback, Rand Paul asked, Hello, Senator Sanders. How, how can I help you? Bernie acted as best as he could. You have spent session after session proposing tax cuts, deregulation, and privatization. Do you know what I'm going to do? Do you know what I'm going to do, Senator Paul? Senator, I'm just trying to promote freedom. I will support you wholeheartedly. A late Merry Christmas to you, and I look forward to working with you to ensure that freedom is extended and preserved. Rand Paul stuttered as he spoke. <laughs> Are you serious, Senator Sanders? Do you really mean that? Of course I do. Give me liberty or give me death. A tear of joy rolled down the Republican senator's face. He shook Bernie's hand in a newfound sense of respect and awe. From then on, Senator Sanders would become a friend and second father to Senator Rand Paul. Bernie would harpoon his Democratic colleagues for their horrific economic policies and fight alongside Rand Paul to lower federal spending. He became an ally to Republicans and Libertarians alike, and while some at first considered him a Trojan horse, they soon considered him a friend. The Democrats were not happy with this change in Bernie, but as his fervor changed from against the top 1% to against the cronies gobbling up subsidies and demanding regulations, his base did not abandon him. Because of Bernie, the Democratic Party moved closer to the center, making America a freer, more prosperous nation. Bernie had no more interactions with the Three Spirits, but he heeded all of their lessons. He was said to be one who truly appreciated liberty, and stood alongside Ronald Reagan, Milton Friedman, and Thomas Sowell in his ability to protect it. May that be truly be said of all of us, and all of us. And so, as Rand Paul observed, Give us liberty, or give me death. The end.